Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. Today is Wednesday. It is January 13th, and we are back with another episode of Destination Different. So, uh, so last Wednesday, there was a couple things that happened last Wednesday. It was the first Wednesday of the new year, first Destination Different podcast of 2021, and a couple couple hundred nutbags stormed the United States Capitol. I mean, at this point, it's you can't even – you couldn't write a script like this. You could not in a million years come up with the craziness that just snowballs on top of itself one after another. I, I, I don't even have much to say because it's like so preposterous to me that that even happened that I, I, don't, I don't even know how to react. So <laughs> I, I've, I've – as best I can, tried to put it out of my brain, and I was very, very, very thankful on Friday of last week to have the chance to talk to and catch up with my old friend Michelle, who is the guest on this week's episode. So, a little backstory: Michelle and I traveled the world as part of this group called Remote Year. It's now going on three years at this point. Three years ago that we did this, and. She is just a one-of-a-kind, amazing person. She is funny. She is goofy. She is chipper at all times. Just talking to her will put a smile on your face. I guarantee you will leave this episode and you'll be like smiling at your phone listening to her speak. One, the accent, but two, just the way she, just the way she is. And so it was great just to get the chance to talk to Michelle and hear what she's been up to. But also got an amazing interview out of this. And we got a chance to talk about Michelle's newest project, which is called The Rewilding. And I'll let Michelle explain what the word rewilding means. But her business and her, you know, this project that she's working on is really, she's, she's traveled the entire world. She's been all over the place. She's lived in big cities all over the world. And she has now decided to return home to her family farm in Lancaster in England, in the north of England, to open up her own facility. So she is now putting on events, retreats, uh, all kinds of different, I guess events is the right word, different events, different programs that help people step away from the craziness and the fast pace of city life and reacclimate themselves with nature and kind of just being out in the world. And it was so fantastic to get the chance to hear from her. I'm obviously starting a business during COVID, starting a business that relies on human to human interaction is not the easiest thing, but she has seemingly persevered and is continuing to, to grow her business. And it was just like, it's so, when I talk about the show and when I talk about what does a good destination different guest look like? Who is somebody who's doing something completely different? This hits the nail on the head. It is the things that Michelle is doing are just so different from anything that I've heard from anybody else in these 60 plus episodes I've had on this show. So she is an absolute delight. This is a fantastic episode. We have the I, I think it's pretty good chemistry of, of old friends just chatting. So that is an added bonus to this. But sit back, relax, and enjoy Michelle Perry, founder of The Rewilding. Hope you enjoy. is quite a bit of a trendy word at the moment um so it's usually applied in the context of the environment but i'm looking at that as in applying that applying that concept 
to the human. So undoing the domestication of like the human being, like when we think about all of the things that we do, we're just so driven by technology, being on our phones, you know, kind of not connecting with each other and not connecting with the planet and with nature. And, and as humans, we are animals, we are nature, and we do have this like innate tendency in us, you know, to, to connect with nature, to be close to nature. And I think sometimes we just need reminding that. So the rewilding is a venue, is a location. Um, it's based on our family farm. Um, and I run retreats and events which kind of get people connecting with one another and with nature and then people can also hire the space as well so people are coming to kind of do their own retreats and bring their own communities together um, and then obviously well, it's a reasonably new business I set it up like a year ago um, and because of COVID and because of my business model it is all about in-person meetups I've not fully been able to do that to like the fullest potential so uh, about two months before Christmas, I decided to do some gift boxes. Um, so bringing those experiences into people's homes through using local pro produce and products and UK suppliers to try and, yeah, like make, make people smile at home and make people get connecting with themselves at home where, you know, this is the space that we're in during this time. I love that. Okay. So my first question for you, describe to me a northerner. What is, what is the north of the UK like? the north um, right, you're a northerner so i want to tell me what a northerner is like well i think a classic way to describe describe a northerner is um somebody who's kind of like full of heart feisty very friendly um i'd say like a little bit of a tough cookie rough around the edges you know up for speaking to strangers will do anything for anybody um and yeah, there's like a lot of, uh, we have a lot of like regional dialects, so you often get a, a really good accent. Um, yeah, I'd say that's Northerner. We like a drink. We like to play sport. Um, just like an all-round wholesome human, I would say. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I, I know, obviously I, I know you, so I know some of your, your background, but for a long time you were out and about traveling, exploring the world, living in massive, massive cities. And now you've returned home to the North to kind of like the countryside. So what has that transition been like for you and how has that sort of shaped, or was that part of the like reason for the start of the rewilding too? Was that like move back to the, you know, to nature and to the, to the North? Yeah, definitely. I think having lived in cities all around the world and like from, you know, from uni and then going to live in London as well, I think it's taken me all of that time to kind of realize I don't really like cities. I love to visit them and to go and get the energy and the buzz and the culture, but but I actually just find it really exhausting. And I think I've I've been exhausted, you know, for like quite a long time. And it's not since coming home and really kind of like seeing my hometown for the first time, you know, since being away, it's like I never even saw my hometown until I came home, you know, like truly saw it. And mm -hmm. I feel like I've yeah, I've got my eyes open again for the first time, which is pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. I Do you think that has like, was that part of the, was coming back home part of the reason for the like, oh, I'm, I want to start my own yeah. business back home? Yeah, definitely. I think like, whilst I was away traveling, I, you know, doing things like volunteering or being involved with different communities and thinking, gosh, this is so cool. I'd love to do this. And I'd never considered home. Like when I, when I left home at like 18, I always thought I'm not going to come back to this place. Mm -hmm. like it, just, it just was never on the cards. Um, and then, yeah, towards the end of like being on the road and being in cities, I just thought, you know, why, why wouldn't I go home? There's so much opportunity. I live in an awesome place. I feel really supported. You know, I've got a good network and, you know, I, I love, I do feel really connected to where I'm from. So, so why, why wouldn't I? And like, I mean, I've seen, it's just looking at the pictures. I'm like, it is stunning. It's beautiful, like beautiful spot. What has been like, how did the process of start? Cause it's, it's, it's a hard necessarily like business to put your finger on it. And I actually feel like even just like looking through your website, looking at the, like you've done a really beautiful job of kind of like articulating like what it is that you guys stand for but what was like the driver or like the reason what was the moment for you that you're like I want to turn this into a, a 
business or, you know, a company or whatever you, you know, how did you make that choice? And what was that like switch for you of I'm coming home and I want to be in nature, but then like, Oh, I, I can turn this into a, a business for myself. Yeah. That's a really good question because I, th- I think you're right. Like I, and th- this year during COVID, I've really tried to like narrow down and be a bit clearer on my messaging because I feel like there is so much, you know, there's other layers on top of what I'm doing with the rewild. And, you know, like I, I work on the family farm and we produce renewable energy, whereas like, I don't really mention. You produce that. what? Renewable energy. Oh, renewable energy. Yeah. Did I say that? I thought that? that was some like new, uh, new hot trendy food item or something. <laughs> You know, so there's things like there's there's other layers to it, and I know that when I whenever I have been describing it in the past, it's definitely confusing. And because in my mind, in my sort of five to ten year vision, it's all very clear about like how I want it to be and how I want it to evolve. But um, like I kind of how I got to that point was probably just like the past sort of ten fifteen years of my life. It's all of those experiences that I've had through travel through. Mm-hmm being part of different communities and and bringing them all together really and kind of like knowing the benefits and knowing the value that I've got from being part of a community and really kind of like wanting to bring those nuggets into my own community into my own location and really share that to be honest and and get other people involved who are you know local people from you know my immediate community and also like global community as well to have those potential cultural exchanges and knowledge exchange like you know some of the things that both both you and I have experienced through travel like I think about Mexico for example having like the hot sweat baths the temazcals you know imagine bringing that to like our location mm-hmm. and you know I, I just think there's there's so much opportunity to to learn and to share knowledge which is really what it's all about um and that's just something I've always been like pa- passionate and obsessed about really it's like is this feeling of hum- community so I think I'm really trying to create a lifestyle business for myself. So that's, that's been the driver versus being like, okay, I want to start this venue. I want to do accommodation. It's more just been driven by how I want to live my life. Mm -hmm. And so for people who, for people who haven't seen the photos, like describe Patty's, is it Patty's farm? Do I have that right? Yeah. Patty's, yeah. Patty's farm. Yeah. Yeah. Describe that, like describe the space because obviously that's a huge part of this experience as well as kind of like stepping into this this world yeah. and this like location so describe that a little bit yeah definitely and actually just going back to that question about uh what's you know what what is it to be a northerner i'd say in the north of the uk it's much more wild and rugged and that's like our location where where we live is more it's more wild like i live directly on the sea wall on the coastline um, but when you think about the coast, you might think about like beaches and having a cocktail, whereas it's not like that at all. It's, it's, it's rugged, it's raw, it's, it's, you know, it's quite marshland. And um, we have uh, one of the biggest um, tidal plains in the world. So we have millions and millions of migratory birds and uh, t- typically wading birds. So like at the moment, you know, you're getting woken up at midnight through flocks of geese kind of coming to, you know, to take their spot here for winter. Um, yeah, it's beautiful, really. We get epic sunsets um, and it's cold. It rains a lot as well. You know, like you can't you can't deny that. Um, but it is really, really beautiful. And particularly where where we live, we are literally at the end of the road. So you mm-hmm. can't can't go any further to <laughs> you can't go anywhere else. So it is quite remote and rural. But then we're 10 minutes to the city as well. So that's pretty cool. And then you can see from like out of my window now I can look out onto the Lake District Hills which is like a a UNESCO World Heritage Site so that's just full of mountains and they're all snow topped at the moment um so it's pretty well located in the UK we're like Mm -hmm. bang in the middle um and then you've got like Blackpool which is a bit like the UK Vegas if you will (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit of a cheesy place but that's just like about 40-50 minutes down the road and then also like we have what's called the Forest of Boland, again, 15 minutes up the road, which is where um, Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, got a lot of his inspiration from mm-hmm. for write, writing those books, which is which is also quite cool. So you've, you've set the scene a little bit. And the you like the, from what I can understand, it's like the this space is sort of like the home base and you're looking to put on 
events and retreats and you do dinners and you do yoga, like, like what are all the different types of activities that you're looking to sort of bring into this, you know, your beautiful space here? Yeah, definitely. And I didn't say like about the actual, the, the building sort of space. So what we've kind of designed in our, in our events room, in our retreat room is really like we've kind of foraged for items from nature to bring those in. So like really bringing that outdoor feeling inside um, and events that we've done so far, you know, are things like typical things like wellness yoga retreats, but um, more than that, you know, doing bushcraft and foraging and, and, and simple things like just kind of gathering together with a group of people around a fire, sharing some food, cooking, cooking with fire, you know, like just kind of really getting back to basics and exchanging, you know, meaningful, meaningful conversations and, um, you know, trying to lead those conversations in a bit more of a, a way that's not just small talk, you know, so people can come on their own if they want to come on their own. They don't feel like, you know, they have to come with a friend because I think that that's like, especially going into adult life, like you often mm -hmm. find yourself in communities where you're like you know you've got your friends you went to school with but it's small talk and actually like you're the one who's like always setting goals or you always want to go on an adventure and like actually finding your tribe of people in adult life is sometimes quite hard and I found that hard since moving back home like for mm -hmm. sure so um really trying to like foster a place which is inclusive and you know focused on community where people can come and come and do those things and and also where people can come with their own ideas you know if they are working on something and, and experiment with that as well um so yeah this, the wild supper clubs that's like definitely a big focus and it's important to me because again we're from a farming community so using local produce and local like meats and cheeses mm -hmm. and um, vegetables and all of that. So yeah, that's super important. What is like, what is the clientele been like at, at a supper club like that? Like who are, who are the types of people that you're, you're attracting and are there people who are showing up solo that are just like, I'm looking for a, a good meal and to meet some people. Yeah, that's Yeah. Well, actually it's not who I thought it was going to be. I, I, you know, I think I initially expected, you know, people like you and me, like that's kind of like who I was trying to attract. Right. But actually I found a bit of an older audience, uh, which has been interesting. And certainly for um, my workshops as well, like we've been doing willow weaving, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like making baskets and stuff. And and typically that seems to be um, like, I'd say more that 50 plus bracket, which mm -hmm. is interesting. Um, and then it's been like for the supper clubs, it's been really um, diverse, I would say, mostly local people. But I do expect like life after COVID, people are going to be so hungry and like craving this connection and this mm -hmm. kind of like sitting on a table where you can share food and you don't have to have an individual pot because you're not worried about getting covid you know just a bit of normality so um i think yeah it's a real mixed bag i've got to say ryan it's really hard to you know when you sort of like look at your brand and you think who's your target market it, it, it's kind of like it's spanning the ages to be honest huh interesting so it's not like you know, did you probably were like, oh, it's going to be, you know, 20s, 30s, you know, types of people looking to have a good time. And it's it's been a, a wider range than just that. Yeah. And I think I when I moved back home, I was thinking, oh, you know, it's going to be because I've had to start my life again, really, you know, like your friends, a lot of your friends have got kids and they're on a completely different path or, you know, they've left the area. So, you know, I thought, you know, there are those people It'd be easy to connect with those people, but it hasn't been. And I think, you know, they are there, but our area is potentially like lacking, lacking a bit of this kind of, um, yeah, this, this offering, I, I mm -hmm. think, you know, um, and I don't know where these people are, but like, you know, I feel like I'm slowly, you know, slowly finding them. And, mm -hmm. and, it, and again, that's been a massive learning about community, you know, I grew up here. This is like where I'm from. It's my home, but I've been away for a long time. So um, I think initially I thought when I got, when I came back, you know, it'd be easy. Like I'll just go and get that chef and I'll connect with that person and, and we can do this and that, but it's not like that. Like and that's another thing about Northern is, you know, you've really got to build up that trust and get that kind of um, get yourself established to, mm -hmm. to get that community. Cause community is not just something you can like turn on and build overnight exactly exactly so so yeah that's um always a good reminder really that it takes okay. time yeah and like what has what has your approach to 
I don't even want to call it marketing necessarily, but it is like marketing a little bit, like building the community. Like how have you got the word out about, you know, what you're doing and the events that you're putting on and have there been others that are like helpful in bringing people to your, you know, to the facility? Like how, how have you kind of brought in an an audience for this, especially during COVID when (laughs) it's not exactly at the top of people's list to be like going and, hanging out with a bunch of strangers yeah and that's true I mean I've kind of gone through the classic um the classic methods of social media and um but I think the people who have come and had an experience at our spot have definitely told other people and that's kind of for for me word of mouth is the strongest form of recommendation Mm -hmm. like if somebody tells me they like something I'm like right I'm gonna you know who I value their opinion I'm, I'm gonna go and do it so um I'm just making sure that everybody who comes here you know uh, they have a really really special experience and then they will go and tell their friends so um i guess like that's the strongest form but but other than that i've been doing social media and um actually at the start the first lockdown um i thought right what what am i going to do here and just start my business like what am yeah. i going to do and um a, a woman i know called sally who has a company called brandable and co she is somebody i was in a community with um like back in London and my mentor Rob at the time he said to me Michelle you know your website looks like what it looks like to be what I imagine it looks like to be inside your brain and I was like oh my god I need to change this out of place I want to be I need to change it because obviously like there's so many things going on um so I connected with Sally and then she really helped me you know like fine-tune my brand and we've come up with a bit of a plan so um you know trying to get on doing things like podcasts or, um, you know, sharing guides or snippets of information or newsletters is kind of like how I've been trying to build up my audience and my mm-hmm. community. Um, and then actually when I got back, I um, I started what's called a mastermind group. You probably know mastermind yeah, yeah. groups, accountability groups. Um, and that was really good. Um, but again, I feel like it was really quite hard to connect with um, or find those people in my area to come to that that were like you know both wanted to make friends with people but wanted to share stuff and it wasn't just like this kind of stuffy suit and tie networking event which is what the city is most like probably used to um people like want to turn up and they want to know what they want to they're going to get from it but like that's not what it's about it's about sharing you know so uh so yeah I did a bit of that and I did do a bit of networking um events like at the start of well in March and then and then COVID so Mm -hmm. and like the like something like the accountability group are you the one leading like are you sort of like you're the kind of facilitator for that like how is your role play in in these different types of events are you always the one like running point and you're the leader of the x y and z thing or are there other times where you're like pulling other people in how does that work yeah, that's a good question because so initially uh, with the mastermind group, I was leading that and facilitating that. And that's something like through my past experiences, you know, I was comfortable doing. But then I kind of felt like I wasn't really getting what I what I personally wanted from the group, you know, like that accountability as well, because mm-hmm. I was just facilitating. I kind of, um, sort of stepped back away from that a little bit. And with all the other events that I um, like that we're hosting, you know, I'm really getting experts because that's been something that's hard to let go of because you only want to have the best people. And also this, I can't do it all. So I'm not skilled enough to do all of these different things. And mm-hmm. and accepting that is like a big part of, um, you know, being able to grow and move forward, I think. So that's been part of building like my local network. So, you know, I've been lucky to find like, we have a Wim Hof um, instructor who's like traveled with with Wim for like I think like three or four years or something so you know using people like that to come in and then I'd be like the the middle person putting it together so I'd put like um Emma doing her breath work with like a nature connection and then you know I'd like facilitate the day and like why we're there and, mm-hmm. and the food kind of aspect of that so you're sort of like in some of those cases playing more of like the host hospitality role and some other expert is kind of coming in and like leading in whatever it is that they yoga, breathing, meditation, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's what that's kind of like it will, in my opinion, is the magic source because, you know, you can go to these places, all these venues. But I think 
what I do really well is like create the space. So it's really beautiful. So, you know, like it's, it sounds silly, but just like your little touches, like having your candle or bringing the greenery in and making. So when you walk in that room, you're like, Whoa, I've never been anywhere like this. Or like, I mean, even looking at some of your, like the table settings, like it's, it's not just like a napkin and a fork. It's like the beautifully folded napkin. There's a little flower. There's like, it's really beautifully done. Like, is that your kind of, that's your calling card. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think like that, that, that's what I think because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm starting out, I can give that time to do that attention to detail. And I think that that's probably what, you know, bigger businesses or like a restaurant in town where they're, you know, they're limited by, you know, if you do a conference or a networking event at a holiday Inn, like it's a room with white walls and a horrible divider and pastries for lunch, you know, whereas mm-hmm. like, that's not what we're about at all. It's really like that experiential, you, you come and you, it's quality and yeah, you, you get that kind of wow factor. Mm-hmm. You just made me think of something like our, it's it, right now, it seems like it's a lot of one on, like it's an individual coming to you or an event. Is there a hope that you could do corporate events or team events? Like, is that a part of the plan as well to do these bigger like I, I could see, I could see my team at work being like, oh, I want to go. And the, the 12 of us are going to go and do a goal set. What, like, I don't know, it could be anything, but is that part of the plan as well? Yeah, definitely. And um, that's actually how I initially sort of thought it would, would go. But when I started doing my market research and I was ringing around uh, businesses in, you know, Manchester and Liverpool, which is like the next two uh, bigger cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like an hour drive from where we are. And I was ringing them, you know, asking, um, what do you do for your corporate away days? And actually the answers I was getting were like, you know, we just go for a big piss up and we all just go and get boozed. Or sometimes we go to Ibiza and I was thinking, this isn't, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I'm trying to do. So uh-huh. whether it was like I was asking the wrong questions, potentially, I was maybe talking to the, like the reward team, whereas I should have been talking to like the learning and development training team. Mm. Um, so that was a big learning, but hundred percent, like I would love to do more things like that. And I think for those teams, like v- versus being forced into an away day in an office space, also in the same city that you're from, you know, I think that's not where you have those connections that are really meaningful for team dynamics. They happen around a fire, sometimes after having a drink or doing something that's a little bit uncomfortable or that you've not done before. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like, blowing up a balloon and like passing it through your legs or creating a tower out of it but really kind of like being thoughtful and intentional and like connecting meaningfully you know mm-hmm. so 100% I'm, I'm so up for that and I think workplaces absolutely need that I, I can like I can 1000% see like my company would want to do something like that um I'm over Ryan I, I'll I'd, I'd do that in a heartbeat um like what for you, maybe, maybe it's changed, maybe it changes over time, but like, what does the business model and like the financial model of it look like? Cause I think a lot of times, at least other people I've had on this show, it's interesting to ask, like, what is the, the financial dynamic of it, of, you know, this is something you're clearly passionate about. It's a, you know, it's something that you love doing, but at the end of the day, like you probably need to make a living off of it as well. So like, how does it work? You know, are people paying a, ticket to come to a cider or a cider club, a, a supper club are, I work in cider. It's like, it's, that's all I can think about. Uh, is there, you know, a, a fee to just hold the venue? Like what is kind of the business model side of, of what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question for, for me because I am so driven because I'm so driven with like the, um, the purpose aspect of everything. And, and it is really important to obviously make money because that's what we're trying to do at the end of the day. And that's where like having a mentor and working with Sally specifically has been really helpful. So the, the, the kind of making money aspect is through hiring the space out um, and then also the retreat. So being that host and, you know, either doing a blanket, you know, like a, um, what you call it, like a dry hire where people can come in uh, do their own thing but also kind of adding value to that and adding my services whereas like, I create the space really beautifully or mm-hmm. um, you know get the, sort out the food and the menus and that type of thing so 
um, that that that's like the, that's the financial model is through the you know hiring out the space and then providing that service, and then now I've launched my gift boxes um, just before Christmas. That went really well, like a lot better than I expected. So now we're in this next lockdown. That's what I'm spending the next two to three months really focusing on before we can start to pick up with in-person stuff again. Because I think there's like a real yeah, I've really enjoyed doing it. Number one. And what's um, like, what's in those gift boxes? Like, what did that, what does that look like? Yeah. So they, the idea of those was to bring the experience to home. So I did like one, which was kind of like an easy win. I've got to say more like a self-care box. So um, you get the box and I've kind of infused it with nature. So I put like things like feathers and pine cones and things in there. So every box is really like lovely to open and explore. Um, and then inside there, there's like little activities to do, like grow your own veg, um, you know, and then I kind of have a bit of guidance in there. So like put the kettle on, use the QR code, get the Spotify playlist going, like create this space for yourself, like oh, cool. the candle, that kind of thing. Um, and then a lovely lady that I've connected with this year, she does, um, she's, she does facials for people, obviously not being able to do that. So she does a virtual facial. So we put the products in there and then, you know, she then guides you through how to use those products by doing a virtual facial, which is, huh been really cool um but the, my focus this um this next year is to do ones that are focused around the seasons so um like how to connect and live more within the seasons or around like the the earth elements so what's like what's the winter box gonna look like so the winter box i know i haven't got this out which we are in winter so we should so that will have like classic in there um I want to put like a healing balm in because, you know, obviously your skin gets kind of dry and cr mm -hmm. cracked and stuff. So uh, there'll be like a lip balm and um, candle, chocolate, book, that kind of thing to create that kind of, um, you know, cozy feeling of, you mm -hmm. know, being inside on a wintry, rainy day and, and creating this really nice space for yourself. And then in there I put, um, I'm just actually working on it now, like a, it's like right next to me actually. Huh. Um, it's like a how to connect with nature and uh, like other humans within that season. So um, just thinking about little activities that you can can go out and do. And I guess like, you know, you can take and leave any of these things. It's not like a forced thing. You know, if actually you get the box and you're just like, oh, cool, like facial oil or whatever it is, like mm -hmm. you use it how you want to use it. But there's things there to take if you want. OK, to. Uh, one question that I'm, I've been dying to ask you because. Well, I know you and I have some, some background, but so you, I mean, at the end of the day, what you're kind of working in, in a certain extent is like the hospitality industry. You are providing a service for customers and there's the, uh, the old adage that the customer is always right. And yeah. in working in, <laughs> like in doing this, how has that been like where you are basically, you know, you're trying to put on this great experience. Like, have you had any super negative experiences so far where you are dealing with somebody who is whining or complaining or causing a mess or like how has that the you know the kind of not so glamorous side of things been I love this question so, <laughs> because I know where it's coming from um but actually I haven't haven't really experienced that yet like no doubt it will be coming um I think I've made learnings from people who have been like polite in their feedback maybe it's through like the way that you've um like could have given information better or you know we've we've got like we're doing um we have like an out barn and the fire that's going in there it's smoking out the room a little bit so we've kind of taken that feedback and you know getting a flu put on and etc mm. et so i mean I love feedback. I'm always going out looking for feedback. Like when it's the end of the year, like I, you know, I ask my friends specifically for feedback. So um, I don't really ever see it. I try not to see it as a negative anyway, just like an opportunity to, to learn and, and grow really. I know that sounds a bit cliche, but I really mean that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Um, how has it been, you know, obviously you've been off on your own for so long and now you've return to the family business? Like how have mom and dad been with you kind of coming back and doing your own thing? How does what you do feed in, you know, like they run this as a, you know, a facility is like, how is, how has that working relationship been between your parents as you've, you've come back to the, come back to the nest? 
This is recorded, isn't it? So no, I'm it joking. is recorded. <laughs> I'm sending no. it to your mom. No, no, to be honest, it's been really good. I've got to say, like when I first came back, I am somebody who always says, don't have expectations. You know, you'll always be let down by your expectations if you have expectations. And but locally, I did have expectations and I was let down in my own head because I thought things would happen quicker. I kind of had an idea about like, you know, what I would have achieved and you know how I would have been supported, etc. And like none of that happened. And my original idea, which is my, my five to ten year plan, that's I thought that that was going to happen like one to two years, but it hasn't. So I've had to reframe that in my mind, which um, you know I've, I've learned. I learned so much from working with my dad. Like you know, where he's a farmer originally, but he's diversified in about five or six other different businesses and ways. And you know, I've got a lot of a lot to learn from him. And I think he kind of can see that in exchange from the experiences that I've had since being away. Um, but it's definitely challenging. Like working in family businesses is, is not easy. It's so it's so easy to um, say what you really think because you know that you're always going to be forgiven or, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of history that has happened that no other employee can ever um, understand or you would never speak to a colleague in that way because mm -hmm. yeah, there's this whole life history of like, um, yeah, it's not always been easy. I've got to say, but it's getting easier and it's fun. <laughs> but they've been like, they've been excited about having you back. And this is like, is this, is the rewilding kind of in addition to what the, you know, farm was already doing? Is it like incremental to the, you know, the business that was already happening on site? Like it explain yeah. to me maybe like what was going on prior and like how that has changed. Yeah. That's also a good question in terms of like family business dynamics, because um, again, I never really considered coming back to the area and I, you know, the, the, the were three, I've got three, my dad has got three daughters so typically in a farm you'd have a you know ideally have a, a boy and he would take on the farm but obviously that's not been the case so um dad still farms we have some holiday cottages which are called patty's barn um and then you know i think mum and dad had sort of hoped that i would come home and take those on with with my sister um but kind of I, my reluctance was that i didn't really i like to do things my own way and i, I thought i thought or i sort of felt you know i might be restricted with my ideas a little bit but maybe that was naive of me and I think just really having ownership of my own thing and putting my own ideas in there and starting something from scratch was quite important to me and I think that's actually one of the main reasons why I've left working for other companies because I've not fully I've either really aligned with their values but I don't really feel like they've kind of put their fair share of the the deal up mm -hmm. or we're, we're true to that and um and that's important to me you know really like living that kind of philosophy or um and being able to have that um what's the word you know like uh, you can we you can do you can make your own decisions and you yeah can like be, you have ownership over everything you, every decision and every you know problem falls to you definitely so they work hand in hand together and um and maybe like in the future, they, they may become one. And, and, and in hindsight, that probably would have been an easier route to have taken, you know, if I'd have had more confidence uh, to do that, possibly. But I really like my brand. And I, I you know, I think that they, they do stand separately, but they do go really well together, you know, and my long term vision, we've like with we produce really renewable electricity and I'd love to have, you know, how do you produce re renewable electricity, by the way? It's, it's through a process called anaerobic digestion. So um, we take the agricultural waste that's produced from um, the farm, like the cow poo, basically. Uh, and then we use other waste like um, whey, which is, you know, whey, yep. like protein, um, potatoes, um, chicken milk, all sorts of stuff. So we put that into one big tank and it mixes around almost like a big tummy. And then we capture the gas um gas from that and then it gets goes through a massive engine and gets produced into to green energy and then we sell that back to the national grid so for me that has been really really fascinating it, it you know it's not always been there it's been going for about seven or eight years now 
Um, but I, I've started working on that as well, like, you know, on the farm. So I'm on the tractors one day a week, you know, learning more about that versus it just being something I know we've got on the farm and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a benefit. I'm really trying to like properly learn and understand that. So in the future, because I, I really believe there's a, a massive education piece there for um, to connect agriculture and the city together and really tell this story of how agriculture is actually a big part of the solution for climate change. It's not just, you know, where we point the finger and say, mm-hmm. you know, farming and, and all of that, because actually, you know, farmers are some of the biggest landowners in the country, you know, no doubt the world. So I think like, we need to kind of share those share those stories and those messages and obviously like there's a big there's a big part in there around using green and renewable energy so um yeah feel quite excited about that in the future as well that's i had no idea that i didn't even know you guys did that that's that's cool yeah it's quite cool what is it what does it smell like in that big tank um shit Well, to be honest, I it's one of those smells as well, actually, that I since whenever I come home, whenever I was living in You London, like it, don't you? You like the I smell. Love it. I oh love my the- god, you're sick. I love the smell. But with the with the AD, there's there's so there's so many byproducts as well. So the engine's massive. So that produces so much heat. Like we could heat our entire village, you know, if we wanted to. Um you can we dry you can dry the um the waste product, like the the muck that goes into it, it still has energy after we've taken the gas from it. So, you know, you can potentially put that into briquettes and use that as like a as a as a replacement for burning logs, you know, trees. So there's loads of stuff you can do, you know, loads. So I'm really excited about where that's going to go in the future as well. Yeah. You mentioned the connection between city and kind of farm. I'm curious a little, like, I know that part of the rewilding process is like, you know, that transition from this like helter skelter hecticness of the city to the, you know, nature and and that place. Like tell, talk a little bit more about that and the dynamic between, cause you're, you're, it sounds like where you guys are positioned too, is you're not far from cities. Like, it's not like you are in this like remote village that's thousands of miles from anything else. Like you have pretty easy access to city areas. And so like, what does that connection mean for you? And like, how is that part of the, the future of the rewilding? And I have a follow-up, but I'm going to hold it. Yeah. Cause I'll forget the first bit. Um, I think that's, for me, that's what it's all about. It's about people reconnecting, especially people who live in the city, you know, actually we are, animals we are nature we we're not meant to be we weren't designed to be you know always on technology or living in these big skyscraper buildings and being surrounded by like you know fast cars and 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 you know you just think about how much you've got to process just walking down the street in a city it's just chaotic you know so um really kind of I think actually, when you think about my target market, it is people who live in the city, you know, to come to the countryside to to kind of undo and slow that pace right down and just kind of like be be with yourself, you know. When I've had friends who have like come from the city and I pick them up from the train station, this I can like literally get in the get in the car and I can feel them like vibrating like a battery, you know, because they're just so charged from being in the city and and that's kind of like what I really want to you know support people to come and kind of just have a little look in the mirror and, and remember what it feels like to you know walk barefoot and, and not like in a hippy dippy way like really just you know do things that they already know how to do sometimes you just need reminding like what it's like to go on a coastal walk or what it's like to light a fire you know those simple things and just like keep it simple Mm -hmm. is there an is there like a no phones rule at the at the cottages or do you let people can still have their phones when they're on a retreat yeah that's you know i've thought about that quite a lot um but i i kind of value i value people's need to um like either connect with you know whether it's work or family so i kind of it's one of those things where you'd set set the expectation at the, at the start where ideally you won't, if you want to kind of like have an amnesty box there and put your phone in, I'd encourage you to do so. But sometimes I think like, you know, when 
people not always ready for that we're addicted mm -hmm. to our phones like whether we like it or not I, I mean really truly do you know anyone who could truly say they're not addicted to their phone you know if you're checking your phone more than even four times a day I'd say probably got a problem you know like so uh, I wouldn't want to like hold people to that fair fair but there's a massive trend towards that though like lots of places mm -hmm. do do that definitely um it's I'm curious, this is maybe a little bit more of like a philosophical question than anything, but how do you think, because in my opinion, COVID has actually been kind of a, a step in the like rewilding process. Like I know at least in living in Boston, some of my friends have been like, I'm, get, I'm not staying in the city for the summer or for the you know next, I'm going to go to Vermont or I'm going to go to my family has a house up in Maine. And they're like kind of stepping away from the city life a little bit some of it's a cost thing. Some of it's like, what am I doing in the city? But then I think people are getting out of the city and realizing, oh, this isn't, you know, this isn't so bad. So how do you think that has impacted this like, re you know, rewilding process? Yeah, I think really only in a positive way, because especially what we've all been through in COVID, you know, it's a, it's a globally shared experience that we've, we've had together. And I think those people who have been living in cities, it's really, it's really like put them in a position where they've stopped and said, looked at their space, you know, they might be living in a flat and like, actually, if you're locked in that flat, like what's in your space, you might not even have any plants or like you're looking out onto another brick wall or, you know, I think it's, it's really got people questioning like where they live and like what, what space they have access to. You know, we were told we can certainly in the UK, we're allowed to go outside and exercise only one time per day. So like, if you if if your one time today is walking down you know a, a tarmacked road, then I don't know. I think people really kind of have connected with you know the wildlife in their back gardens, or even the, not even just the birds coming to the window from inside a flat. You know they've really connected to that. So I think it's really helped people to to, to question and to look at where they are living, and also like on a on a much bigger picture. Um, like cities and how we design our cities you know we've got these covid bike lanes of like people using their their bikes more to get to work or um you know the green spaces that we do have in our cities and how easily they are to to access so i think it's i think it's awesome really all right so this is i agree i think we're in an in, well we're in an interesting space where at some point here the world will come back and i'm curious if it like goes all the way back to reset or if it's you kind of land in some like middle ground a little bit yeah um my final question for you and it's it's a bit of a loaded one so think about it <laughs> if you could put on your dream event yeah there's no restrictions budget is not an option we'll say it could I'll give you, I'll give you a weekend. So it doesn't have to be like a one day. It could be a whole three day thing. What would be your dream kind of experience to do at the rewilding? Uh, yeah, it's not too much of a loaded question because I kind of feel like, yeah, it's, it's already, it's already ready to go in my head, you know? So I think it would be a small group of people, maybe like um, 10 to 14 people max um and we get everybody down and it would be all focused around um the food would be like a massive aspect of that so making sure we've got local producers and even having some of those local producers to come and share their food story um and you know like if it is that kind of like post post covid no restrictions um just doing really lovely things as as a group uh, but also taking time to like reflect and go and do your own things but like wild swimming definitely like a bit of Wim Hof breath work would be in there um coastal walking sleeping um you know this this feels like a little bit loaded but like not group therapy but a lot of like group sharing but not in that way where it's like you have to stand up and um you have to stand up and say something individually mm -hmm. it always frightens people to death but um you know just just digging deeper and like really listening to to one another um yeah just doing lots of lovely stuff like that really just being outside 
um, doing a bit of foraging and learning and sharing and, um, you know, maybe a bit of karaoke in there, something like that. Um, but just like how you would have a weekend with your mates, basically, that's kind of like, you know, really what I'm trying to foster is people to come and just have a, a really wholesome, you know, time that fills the cup right up. is a wrap on this week's episode of Destination Different. Huge, huge, huge thanks to Michelle for coming on the show this week. She, as you can tell, is just delightful. So, so, so fun to talk to her. Um, I think the next, I mean, I think the natural next step here is that we begin to coordinate post-COVID Destination Different retreat at the rewilding. I think that's, I think that's the move, you know, the entire staff I have here working on the podcast, all 12 listeners, all of us are going to go on a retreat with Michelle. That's all I got for this week. I'm excited. I'm still, I'm still staying positive here in 2021. I know it was off to a bit of a, a rocky start, but I think we're in for better things to come here in the new year. I have a renewed energy about myself and my projects. And I do think that a new year serves as a a nice friendly reminder of, you know, hitting the reset button. And so I've taken that opportunity on head on. And I think there's big things ahead in 2021. As a reminder, because I think this is maybe a good, a good plug. And it's on, as I listed last week, my goals for 2021. If you're not already following Destination Different, you should be at Destination Different on Instagram. We got to bump those numbers. It is creeping dangerously close to 100 followers on Instagram over there. 96, I think we're at. I think we can get four from this episode. So if you're not already, stop what you're doing. Pop on over to Instagram and follow Destination Different where you get clips from every episode. You get a little behind the scenes with me and... It's a good place to keep up with everything that's going on on the pod. So that's it. That's a wrap. We'll be back again next week, next Wednesday, for another episode of Destination Different. Until then, stay weird. Baby, I hope that you know the word.